This is the Pro Wrestling Shoot. This is the Pro Wrestling Shoot. Here we go again. This is the Pro Wrestling Shoot. Hey, what's up? This is your host, Jesse Carter. Pro Wrestling Shoot. It's about to get exciting. Pro Wrestling Shoot. How long is this going to last? Pro What's going on? This is Jesse Carter, and you're listening to the Pro Wrestling Shoot with my guest today, TJ Perkins. How's it going, dude? What's going on? Thank you for having me. Oh, definitely, man. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show. Yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful Sunday. Got football on. Sports are back. Feels less and less like a pandemic already. <laughs> What's your team? Uh, the Rams. Pretty the much Rams? all L- Yeah, all LA everything over here. There you go, man. So how's life in uh, Impact been treating you? Oh, it's been great. I, uh, it was really an easy decision for me to make. I mean, uh, the roster is wonderful. I think that it's the most balanced roster I think I've ever been uh, a part of. Um, and uh, you know, maybe the best generation, one of the best generations I think that they've had. Um, you know, the early days were obviously pretty uh, – pretty notable and and uh kind of helped define a certain generation like the early 2000s but uh, but you know i think this is this is um probably the best version of them you know since their since their glory days and i feel like you know in many ways it's even better definitely man i think they're killing it right now um it, it, it is a pretty stacked roster and i feel like it is one of the best generations of impact yeah, I, uh, man, I, I, every day it's funny because uh, whenever I reflect on it, I mean, it, it, I get a sense of how much I'm aging myself because, <laughs> because <laughs> I've been there for every generation. So when I sit and think, like, okay, well, I've seen, I've seen all of them, and I've been part of all the different rosters that they've had, and you know, I, I compare them and think, okay, well, this was good, and this is good, and then I'm like, God, I can't believe I've seen all this stuff. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Just makes you feel old every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's get a little bit of a backstory on your career, man. At what point did you decide that wrestling was what you wanted to do as a profession? Um, you know, I, I, I'm often asked this question, but I, I don't really have like a like kind of an aha moment, you know. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people, they most people, you know, they, they have sort of, I guess, an epiphany of sorts. And I've never really had that. I, uh, my earliest memories are of watching wrestling with my dad and, and, um, you know, it's, it's been really what's consumed me from, from as long as I can remember. And, uh, and, you know, when I think about being like, I don't know, my generation, I'm in my mid thirties. So like, you know, I grew up on the Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters, Star Wars, you know, all that. And thinking back to like, liking that stuff and like he-man and all these things that i grew up with you know wrestling kind of predates all of them for me as far as like my earliest memories and it's just one of those things it it dominated my psyche so much i just kind of always assumed i was gonna do it someday and i don't really remember ever like what moment 
<laughs> like I ever decided like that would be the case. I was too young to really realize, you know, that what a career was by the time I knew that that's what I would be doing. I kind of thought everybody would be doing it. That's how much it kind of like kind of consumed me is that like I I was so I don't want to say introverted, but like so solely focused on it that I just thought that everybody loved wrestling as much as I did. So when I talked to anybody, I would always immediately start talking about wrestling, like, even when I was like a toddler, or, like a little kid. Because I just assumed that's what everybody watched and liked. I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't think that this is just a interest to me. And this guy likes Thomas the Train, and this you know this person likes whatever the hell they like. You know, I just thought everybody loves it as much as I do. Like, how could they possibly not? So I don't know. I just and then obviously I started at a young age, and and it just kind of came up, you know, so quickly. And I don't really remember any point where it'd be easier to try and tell you. A, points where i doubted i would do it because there was so so like few and like the other way around it's like every moment of my life i just assumed i would be doing it well i can definitely relate to that man as a kid that's all i used to talk about was pro wrestling and i just kind of assumed that that was the thing to do <laughs> <laughs> so um what what age did you start training at uh 13 years old and that's also when i made my debut my goodness where'd you make your debut at uh, it, here in Southern California, I, um, I was in junior high school and, uh, I guess right around then, you know, you, you kind of start to understand life with, you know, your, you know, impending adulthood, which is, you know, coming up the next few years. And so I guess kind of like doing reports on, career day you know stuff like that and like you know of course it's like well that's not a viable thing and everybody goes through that you know because there's always the kid that says well i want to play first base for the yankees or something you know they want to do the report on that and the teachers are always telling people like you can't say you're going to grow up and be a musician you can't say you're going to grow up and be you know a pro athlete or be this or that like they, they always want you to do a book report or your career day on something normal like um you know i want to be a pipe fitter or something, you know, whatever the case is. Um, so being told no kind of made me think, well, God, like, I, I guess I must, they're telling me no, like for reasons. I, I must, I must, I, I must like be getting to an age where I need to formulate a real plan on this. Um, so I assumed, because remember this is like far back. I mean, I was probably 1997, 98, when I was finishing uh, junior high school, going into high school. And so the internet really isn't around yet. I mean, it's around, but it's not really a thing yet. You know, you pretty, right. pretty much it's just like AOL.com was like all there was, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you, could, you could check the weather, you can register an email on like two different websites. And that's like, that's like <laughs> it, you know, like you got like nothing else. Um, so, you know, there wasn't information on it like there is today. No social media, you know. So for anybody listening, you know, if you're of a certain age, I mean, this is life without Google, without YouTube, without Twitter, without MySpace, without Facebook. There's nobody to ask, nobody with information if you could ask. So, you know, the best I had was just every now and then you see like a, a one-page ad for like a wrestling training gym in like PWI Magazine or something like that. Um. And then, you know, just like reading interviews and knowing, you know, wrestlers careers. And so I was like, OK, well, most of them, they either came from the NFL or they were amateur wrestlers. So I got to do one of those two. 
and I could I could go into amateur wrestling. So I thought, okay, well, I'll wrestle in high school. And then I just assumed, <laughs> like, somehow that'll, that'll be a gateway for me to get to pro wrestling. I'll figure it out after that. Um, because, you know, you just Ric Flair, all these different guys, they, they did, did amateur wrestling when they were in their, their youth. Right. Um, that's, that's, that's what I thought when I was a kid, too. I, I got into amateur wrestling, and I was like, this is how you get into the WWF. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just, yeah. So I assumed, okay, you know, all these guys came from that. So th- there must be... I, it must be something where, and, and this is what my head, you know, in my head, this is what I thought when I was like 12 years old. Like in my head, I'm like, if you, I guess if you do this for a few years and then you kind of go to college at some point, somebody's going to say, why don't you try this? And then they'll have these like, <laughs> right. These, yeah. like, these the answers for you, you know? So I thought, okay, that's, that's my next step. Well, I, uh, let's summer before I started high school before my freshman year, I came in during summer school and I, asked the office about the amateur program. I was an all-sport athlete growing up, so I was going to play all sports anyway. My dad really wanted me to go to college for for sports. Um, I think in his mind, maybe hopefully baseball or football. I was probably better at basketball, but I'm not of a stature to have been scouted, you know. Um, but he used to take me to these NCAA-bound athlete meetings and stuff like that. Um, but I asked about the amateur program. They, had, they didn't have one. And so I said, okay, well, that's a huge deal for me because now I don't know what to do. Um, so I started writing letters, um, <laughs> physical <laughs> letters, you know, because uh, like I said, I mean, this is 1998. So you know, I'm 13 years old and I'm writing these letters to like Dean Malenko had a wrestling school in Tampa. Al Snow had one um, in, in, in Pennsylvania. And like, uh, you know, th- there's those old school ones like, Larry Sharp and all these different ones. Uh, Shawn Michaels hadn't opened his yet. I wrote, I wrote for more information. I was one of those people that wrote him a letter for more information <laughs> to, get a, <laughs> to get a brochure back. Um, so I almost wasn't, if I would have been at the right age, I would have been in his first class probably. Um, oh, right on, man. Which is crazy. Cause then, you know, a couple years later I would run into cross paths with the uh, you know spanky brian danielson paul london a lot of the guys that were part of his first couple classes um and uh and so i wrote to all these places and they're too far for me to go I'm 13 years old i can't relocate and most of the places at that time you had to be 18 or even 21 years old like they didn't just accept anybody right right um so i just kind of thought it was a dead end i started summer school and there's a there's a kid in summer school that had a wrestling t-shirt on but not like WWF and I was intrigued by it. I'm like this isn't WCW or WWF what is this and it was just a, a shirt for a, a wrestling uh, gym that was local and there's a lot of Lucha Libre gyms and things like that in Southern California we're so close to the border and there's like obviously a lot of like Mexican wrestling culture in the area the LA area so um, you know I've came to find that there's a lot of gyms out there they're just not advertised again you know no social media no internet so if you don't know they're there you don't know they're there um he pointed me the way and i got started and before i knew it i i blinked and now i'm on this podcast so (laughs) (laughs) that's funny how life works sometimes man what were some of your influences uh growing up who who are some people that you kind of looked up to um i mean like wrestling wise yeah yeah um i'd probably go like i was a big I was a big Sean guy. I was a big Brett guy. I've become more of a Brett guy as I've gotten older, I think. Funny how that um, works. Well, 
Like, I, I think I've always kind of understood him, but I guess maybe just because the way that my career has gone in the, in the I think the way that I operate in, in the ring, just I, I start to kind of gravitate towards Brett a lot because it, I, I think he's just a little bit more in my strike zone. Um, Bashan was always my guy. He became a mentor for me years later when I got into WWE, so I was, like, incredibly grateful for that because, I mean, it's like... Like, I'm a big Kobe Bryant guy. So, I mean, with, like, watching Kobe go right to the NBA from high school. And this was only a few years ahead of me, too. So, like, right, um, it's weird the way that his career sort of mirrored mine just, like, slightly ahead in a way. Because I would always, like, he was always my hero. So, I'd always look at him like, oh, wow, that's, like, whenever he would succeed at something or do something, I'd, I'd kind of, like, try to learn from it or draw comparisons, like, in my head to kind of, like, just be better version of myself. And, like, I, I remember thinking, man, it must be overwhelming for him to, like, idolize Michael Jordan, graduate high school, and then have to play against Michael Jordan, <laughs> like, <laughs> imme- like, immediately, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was cool, like, that, you know, Sean was always my guy. And then, you know, years later, eventually, he became, like, a mentor for me. So I'm like, wow, it's like I'm learning to wrestle from Michael Jordan. So, um, but, uh, you know, I was a big Eddie guy. I loved Eddie in, in like, AAA, ECW, and, and WCW. Um, and uh, Tiger Mask. And uh, I actually have tattoos of each of the three guys in my arm because they've always been sort of cornerstones for me. That's cool, man. Yeah, those are definitely some great choices. Um, definitely childhood favorites of mine as well. Um, Brett really stands out for me, man. I, I, There's something about him as a kid, man. I think his gear is is a big influence on why he popped so much for me as a child. Oh, um, yeah. I just really the, loved that, pink, that pink and black. Yeah. yeah, I mean his his style. It's it's so weird. Like I I feel like it'll be like twenty years before we realize, or like wrestling fans as a whole, especially like later generations, that like we had two of the best dudes and best dressed dudes come along at the same time, and yeah. like nothing was like them before that, and after them, like nobody's quite the same after either. And, and like, it's so crazy. They came along at the same exact time, same place and all that. And the, the seamstress that worked on both of their outfits is still at WWE. And she, she, I used to use like one of my best friends when I was in, in the company. And uh, I still talk to her to this day. And I always tell her like, it's so crazy that you you're outfitting these guys for like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. That's pretty cool how that works out, man. Well, I'm I'm very happy to see you signed with Impact. But before that happened, you traveled quite a bit on the independent scene. Any promotions that stand out that you enjoyed working for? Um, yeah, man, all of them. I uh, I had a quite a busy year last year. I'm actually still unsigned, so I'm still free agent. I can go anywhere I want. Everything I have is oh, is cool. On, uh, yeah, everything I have is on uh, uh, separate. But the Roddy Piper deal, the handshake deal, as they say. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, that's good though. That means that you can, you know, you can still travel and make your money. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it was good. I mean, last year, um, yeah, I say all of them, but it's no joke, but it, 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 it's a lot of them. I mean, last year, I think I had something like 90 dates. I think I had over the summer cause I didn't start, I didn't start back on the road until May. So I left WWE around January, February. So I kind of like sat out the first half of the year and I packed it in. I mean, I had like a hundred dates almost for the second 
back half of the year, and all of them were for different places for the most part, except for a couple Japan tours and, and Impact. But, like, you know, it was nice to get back to New Japan. Obviously, that's really the primary reason why I was exploring the idea of leaving. Like, for a, about a year before I left the company, I was I had kind of made up my mind I wanted to go to Japan because that's what I wanted to do before I signed with WWE. Um, right. I kind of I got talked out of that. I, t- I remember telling them during the Cruiserweight Classic, I said, look, I, I really want to go back to New Japan. It's been so long since I've been there. Um, you know, I've just spent a few years in TNA, kind of just want to get back there and back to Mexico. I mean, that's really where my heart is, is, is those cultures for wrestling anyway. Um, and uh, so it's been nice to get back there. Impact was an easy decision, like I said. Uh, MLW was really cool. I mean, they, <laughs> in a way, I feel like they sort of started the indie boom because I remember back in 2004, MLW had put together these string of shows. And this is where like the who's who of like independent wrestling met each other for the first time. Like they right. brought all of, all of us together, me, Danielson, low key, Chris hero, you know, all these different guys. Um, uh, and now, now a lot of these guys are just, are all, cornerstones of, of the bigger companies everywhere and it's so crazy that it all kind of just came together for them so it's been nice to be back with them um and you know i was doing shows everywhere canada uk australia did a f- few australia trips um down to mexico a little bit too um coast to coast and yeah it's it's been awesome so how, how is that working the different cultures of wrestling, man? Like, um, I, I've asked a few wrestlers this, and some were used to it, some were not. Um, how, how did you feel about working in places like Japan or Mexico with the language barrier, and how, how, how does that go? Um, I mean, I think that there's, if you have a natural affinity for, for, you know, certain companies or just these um, wrestling cultures, I guess would be the easiest way to put it um i think it kind of falls off naturally for for guys that that have like followed it for a while you see guys struggle like when they kind of get referred to these places like a guy will be in wwe for example for a few years get a good run there and then afterward they don't really know what to do and they're still at a pretty good age and then they get kind of referred to go to mexico or puerto rico or japan or something like that and they do well there, but initially it's a big culture shock. Um, and I think it's they they kind of are trying to learn it on like a systemic level, and you could tell that that's not just they weren't necessarily into those places before they were sent there. Um, and then you know you sink or swim from there, I guess. But for somebody like me, you know, like I'm a wrestling lifer, and I, like a lot of what I came up on is you know Japan, Mexico. Um, you know, for me, it kind of falls off pretty naturally because it, it's something that sort of happens automatically a little bit. But I love the nuances of the different cultures. Mexico especially, I think, is probably my favorite wrestling culture. Um, it's almost like in a time warp down there. I mean, everything down there feels so timeless. Like, um, they have such a classic feel to the shows and uh, the atmosphere in the arenas. It almost feels like like old American wrestling, like, like these like kind of like they're not smoke filled arenas, but it feels like a smoke filled vintage feel to the arenas down there. And the crowds are rowdy and they, they believe in it in a way that you haven't seen anywhere else in decades. And, um, and yeah, I mean, there's wrestling every night of the week down there. It's, it's with boxing. It's like the second 
like one of the it's like a top three like thing to do as far as like sporting event down there so it's i don't know it's just a it's just a great culture yeah man that that crowd is definitely rowdy and i i love the fact that you can still see the natural heat evolve in that crowd every time you watch like cmll or you know triple a it's 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 quite refreshing to be honest than what we're used to here in america <laughs> yeah no i i love it and and um and you know the people like i said the way that they it's like a real there's this old poster that is kind of like a meme i guess you could say now but it existed before we i guess had memes <laughs> um but there's this old thing that it's like um it's almost like a diagram as a sketch of Japanese wrestling and it's like um it was like in Japan it's a sport in America it's a show in Mexico it's a religion and <laughs> that's those are the those are like the three kind of like one word descriptions and I just have never seen something so appropriate as far as dissecting them as different cultures because otherwise you know once you kind of watch them all you know for long enough you start to realize it that there's not a lot of differences. You, you think stylistically that there is initially on the surface, but really everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Um, but if I could describe the energy of it, those that <laughs> those three categories would be the way to go because it's so so appropriate if you've ever been in those atmospheres. Definitely, man. So any uh, any matches in the independent scene that stand out to you that you you got to work? Uh, for me specifically? Yes, for you. Um. Well, let's see. One thing that I and I was just telling, uh, there's a guy by the name of Jordan Oliver um, that I was talking to recently, and I haven't had the pleasure of wrestling, but I wrestled uh, uh, Alex Zane, Blake Christian, uh, Myron Reed. Um, you know, there's a handful of guys that I think are very like key guys for this generation coming up. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Um, and I think that they're going to kind of go down as like sort of like the face of this generation. And I don't know if they see it yet, but I've (laughs) fortunately or unfortunately been around long enough to see the patterns in, in, in these things. And, and they, they, there's a group of young guys that are really, really talented. And I've had the pleasure of meeting and sharing the locker room with, uh, over this past year, finally kind of being out of WWE. And, and I almost had to learn to be a wrestler all over again. So I'd tell some of these guys, like, so I'll get asked often, like, from young wrestlers, like, what, what would you do? What should I do? What advice can you give me? And I'm like, I don't know how, I don't know how to be a wrestler these days, like, independently speaking. <laughs> it's not the same. It's, it's yeah. just not the same as it used to be, you know, when I was first starting. It used to be you, you get started, you, do, you grind away your local card, Usually there's like a weekly regional card that has, you know, your dedicated like one, 200, 300 fans that will always go every Friday night or whatever. And you kind of hope to get on something like a Super 8 tournament or, you know, the Ted Petty Invitational or something like that um, or best of the best for CZW at a certain point. And those become like a springboard for Ring of Honor and stuff like that because then talent gets kind of pilfered from those places. But that stuff is not really the case anymore, and they don't really do it that way. But now there's also social media, and guys get over on YouTube and and Twitter and stuff like that. And then people are like, you know, gift 
So then, like, you see, <laughs> you see guys that are like, oh, man, I see this guy, his shows are gift every month, you know. So then they get, they find other ways to have springboards. So I tell guys now, I'm like, I, I wouldn't know how to get started because it's such a different game. Um, but, like, these guys, the ones that I mentioned, and there's, there's more, too, but those guys are the first ones that come to mind as far as, like, domestically. Um, they've really sort of started taking off and, like, their rocket has just been lit in my opinion. So, you know, it was a pleasure to kind of get in the ring with those guys and, uh, and sort of kind of like learn from them too, like learn how to be a wrestler all over again, because it's a different, it's a different time, you know? Don't forget to check out Rent Ray podcast every Thursday at 5 PM Eastern, 4 PM Central, 2 PM Pacific on YouTube, which is my name, Brennan Martin. Look up Brennan Martin. It features a profile of myself and Chava Guerrero and, and Rant Ray Podcast contains four main hosts, which is myself, Jordan Little, Andrew Hawking, and David St. Dennis as we discuss out news, sports, video games, movies, TV shows, pro wrestling, and much, much more, and also exclusive interviews as well, including talent from Prestige Wrestling, Fi, Without a Cause, I mean, and a whole lot more, including former WWE superstars and also current AEW superstars as well. Don't forget to check out the Facebook page, which is Rant Ray Podcast, and also the Twitter page at RNR Podcast 19, capital RNRP, Resvert Lowercase, including number 19. Same handle with Instagram, but all of its lowercase, including number 19. And don't forget to check out the, to listen all podcasts, including Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, and many more, many available platforms as well. And also do not forget to check out the store, which is brainbusterdees.com for your Rent Ray Podcast merch, including the fanny pack, face mask, t-shirts, uh, hoodies, stickers, hats, uh, hoodies, sweatshirts, tank top, joggers, a beanie as well, and many more to go. So that, and to look that up is brainbusterdees.com slash other slash rant dash and dash rave dash podcast slash and always the rant and rave podcast the pro wrestling shoot listeners it is i conrad cushman from everything pro wrestling here to let you know that everything pro wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans and you guys can catch us on youtube where we record all of our podcast episodes live where we get fan interaction fan feedback, and get your thoughts on everything happening in the pro wrestling world. So do us a favor. Join us on Wednesdays after AEW Dynamite at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Join us in the live stream. Come on in and leave your thoughts about AEW Dynamite. We also do pay-per-view reviews for all of your favorite companies, whether it's WWE, NXT, New Japan, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor. Sometimes we even pop up with a local indie review. Just make sure you're subscribed to Everything Pro Wrestling on YouTube. And if you want to listen to us on the go and you want to just listen to the audio versions, we are also featured on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Now, let's get back to listening to Jesse and the Pro Wrestling Shoot. Yeah, it's a whole different situation, man. So you mentioned earlier about the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. How was how was that experience for you? Uh, it, I mean, it was obviously it was awesome. <laughs> I won. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, it was, it was great. I remember, uh, like I said, I hadn't planned on staying and they had asked me if I wanted to be part of it. And Regal was the one that called and asked. And when he did, I knew even if I didn't want to stay, uh, that this would at least be something special It'd be kind of be like a modern day J cup. Um, and I kind of had a feeling there would only be one, like, it just felt like something that I kind of knew if we do this and we pull it off and we pull it off, right. They're probably not going to ever do another one, even though it seems like something you would want to do every year or whatever. Um, and it turned out, it turned out to be the case. I mean, they've done little playoff tournaments like that every now and then if they need a reset for the cruiserweight division, but they've never done another cruiserweight classic. And I feel like that will kind of just go down as like this one and done thing that was just a special moment in time, you know, the summer of, of 16, so, so to speak. And, uh, I mean, it was cool to be part of it. I knew that it would kind of be a cultural wrestling culture. Like it'd be a cultural, um, kind of flagstone for wrestling. Um, you know, up to that, you know, I had been like kind of in and out of WWE's doorstep a lot over the years and, you know, going there and it's like, you know, initially I go there early two thousands and it's like, if you're, if you're not the road warriors, they don't, they just, they don't care. Um, <laughs> and that to, to a certain extent, that's still kind of the case, but, um, then later, I mean, like the late 2000s it was like okay well we we have our one evan born we have our one tyson kid we don't really need any more of you guys and so then it's like okay so there's that and i think that that kind of continued all the way till and the same thing with the perception of like independent wrestling like they had started signing certain guys but it felt like they didn't quite trust the outside collective so to speak you know like they had guys like like a mox or kevin steen or different guys and some of them they kind of showcase in certain ways, but it felt like they still didn't really trust anybody outside of their system a whole lot, you know? And like they decided to kind of pull the trigger on the cruiserweight division. They did it by starting this tournament. And I felt like I was part of a really special group that maybe changed their mind on that because now their entire company's like lifeblood is guys like us, you know? Yeah, so I, yeah, think, I think it's like after that, all of a sudden it was like the floodgates were open. You know, like, let's get all the Adam Coles and Austin Aries and, you know, every let's get them all in the door. Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, every great wrestler that was available that they were like unsure of and they didn't want to trust anything outside of their system. They said, you know, screw it. Get them all in. Um, I wish and they've been killing it. <laughs> yeah. And I wish that we could have been maybe better utilized as a group because I feel like we sort of broke that ground to help them trust more in in like independent wrestling and stuff like that. But just to have been part of that and just for them to have at least done that right, like that summer and, and, and going forward, like for that initial moment, I mean, one of the greatest things I'll ever do. That's cool, man. So when, uh, when did you know in the tournament that you were going to be moving on to WWE permanently? Did they just like contact you and say, Hey, we want you to win the tournament or <laughs> how did that work? <laughs> Um, I kind of got the sense that they trusted me a lot or, I mean, even before the tournament, cause I, Regal initially called me and asked if I would do it. And he had called after that and asked if I had any ideas for guys who should be in it as well. So like I was kind of helping a little bit with like helping them find some international talent or people that maybe they didn't know of that was off their radar. 
um, they wanted to make sure they didn't miss anybody that, you know, was available. Um, and so I was like, Oh, this is different. Usually I'm told to go screw myself like from these guys. But, (laughs) (laughs) um, and it was weird. We, you know, we first got brought together and it's kind of like, I don't know if anybody's ever seen like, um, Miracle on Ice. And oh, yeah. They have, yeah, they have that, like, first, like, meeting where they have all these hockey players from different places coming together. And they're saying, okay, you guys are the team. This is what we're going to do. This is our system, yada, yada, yada. So it's kind of similar. Like, they brought us all together for some meetings prior to the tournament at the PC. Uh, you'll get, you guys will be training here if you need it. Um, we're going to do all of your promos and pictures here and, like, get everything set up. And then the tournament starts on this date, yada, yada, yada. And like normally it's like, you know, mind your P's and Q's and you're dressed up and minding the dress code and doing everything right. And I was just kind of over that. I didn't even really want to stay there. So I was like, <laughs> I, I showed up late. I didn't follow the dress code. And I just thought, I mean, I wasn't trying to rub people the wrong way, but I just wasn't like, I wasn't snapping at attention. Like I'll do everything you asked me to do, but I wasn't like, I wasn't scared of anything. A lot of the other guys were because most other than Spanky and myself, nobody had a had experience with the company. And most of, most of those guys uh, other than Spanky and myself had never had a wrestling job before. So a lot of these guys were like, Oh, I don't want to go back to being a personal trainer or a cop or, you know, (laughs) working behind the register, you know? And like, so everybody's like, this is their first experience. You could see like the, the deer in headlights almost like trying to make sure they do everything right. And I'm kind of walking through like Rick Vaughn, like almost not caring. <laughs> but it was weird because normally, I mean, that's the type of thing that gets you kicked out or yelled at or whatever. And they, they couldn't have been more accommodating. I'd be late and they'd be like, here, let, we're, we're here, come to this back room. We'll catch you up on everything. I'm like, really? You're not just going to find me? Um, <laughs> you know, and so I, I remember thinking it's really weird that they're being so protective of me. And, um, and then probably about i think after the second round they gathered us all into a theater in full sail and uh they they made all their formal offers like we all sat there like there's they have this big theater classroom in full sail it was it was the night after i beat johnny this is the second round i think i remember because i tore up my knee and i was bleeding out of my head so i oh, split, wow. <laughs> split my i split my eyelid open on the on the turnbuckle when he does, he does that move where he darts you in the turnbuckle. Yeah. Um, and I remember sitting there like (laughs) kind of wanting to just go back to the hotel and they're like, okay, we, they sat us all down. They had like four different stations, like Hunter, Regal, Canyon, some office people. And they just called us down like one by one, each to a different spot and then kind of give everybody offers. And, uh, uh, most guys, they, were very obviously very agreeable and they they jumped at the chance and the opportunity and they're they're ha- happy for it. Um, there's a few of us that said no. Uh, Zach said no. I said no. Coda said no. Uh, and I think Metallic said no initially. Um, and uh, Zach knew exactly what he wanted to do, so that's why he said no. Coda was unsure, so I think they kept negotiating with Coda for even after the tournament. So he came back and we did the tag tournament together, the dusty tag tournament. Right. Um, and, uh, 
Metallic, I think, just wanted more money. <laughs> 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 he 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 knows he he knows he's banging, so he he deserves more money. Um, <laughs> so he was more just holding out, I think. And I said no because I didn't know if I wanted to be there. I told him I wanted to go to Lucha Undergrounds because I was really excited about that show at the time. I thought it was a great concept. Obviously, it wasn't going to be around forever, so I wanted to be part of it. Um, and they had they had already made me an offer too. So I, I kind of wanted to do the next season of Lucha Underground. I wanted to go back to New Japan. Um, I wanted to go back to Mexico. And so they, they made me an offer. I said no. They they raised the offer, and I said, I'll think about it. And then Regal pulled me aside and said, you really should do this, kind of talked me into it. So I said, I probably will. And then we finished the tournament over the next however many weeks. And I didn't end up signing until right before the pay-per-view where – I wrestled Spanky to defend the title. I think it was Clash of the Champions. Um, so it was like, I don't know, the, the Wednesday right before that one. So you were I, already champion before you signed? Yeah. I, I oh, didn't wow. Sign, I didn't sign until like Wednesday or Thursday before that pay-per-view. Oh, I'm surprised they even let that go. <laughs> hey, me too. <laughs> so I That's laugh. cool, man. I know like a lot of wrestling fans are like, well – they they arranged it the way they did because Zach and Coda said no. But it's like I said no too. They I, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't I wasn't a safer bet. Uh Coda was a safer bet than I was because he was still negotiating. He was still willing to stay there, you know, at that time. Like they I, they went with me, you know, for whatever reason and I'm grateful that they trusted me with it. Um I think we did a good job as a group, but it was it was, you know, it took a while for me to kind of make up my mind and decide to stay. Well, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, I would have never, never seen WWE going for something like that. They must've seen a lot in you, um, to trust you with the, being the first WWE cruiser. Well, I guess not the first, but you know, the new, yeah. the new cruiserweight champion. So I mean, you had some very, a lot of it came down to leadership because yeah. when I, when I when, before they made us any offers, the first thing that they actually had not offered me, but the first, Thing that they had spoken to me about as far as like being there and for the long term was hunter pulled me aside and asked if i wanted to produce oh cool said, like, he's like would you be interested someday you know in coaching and producing and i said sure this was after i think my first round match um he pulled me aside they, they were they were always that was the other thing too they were always waiting for me behind the curtain when i would come back so i, I just remember thinking it's so weird that you guys are babying me so much um, normally you just don't care. So I just thought it was weird, but, um, but he pulled me aside and before they ever offered anybody stuff. They had asked me about that. And I told him, I said, I'll, I didn't think that they were going to like do anything with me in the tournament. I, I won round one or whatever, but like, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll quit right now. I'll coach right now. I don't care. <laughs> I, like, I don't have to be a wrestler. I'll, I'll do whatever you guys want me to do. That's fine. Um, but you know, they, I think they thought that my, my IQ, my mind, my experience was very valuable, especially for a guy that's at a, such a young age. So, you know, it's one thing to get an important lesson from a 76 year old producer. Young guys don't want to hear it from that guy, you know, right. like, and I don't mean that guy like a specific person. I just mean, generally speaking, a young person doesn't want to listen to an old person. That's just the natural way of things. It doesn't matter how much of a gem they're being given. Right. So I think that that Human was instinct. part of the. Yeah. So I think part of the value was like, you're a guy that's like their age. And so may, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but pretty soon, if you're willing to do that, 
then they're going to listen to you more so than somebody that's, you know, 60, 70 years old. Um, so I, you know, I said, sure. And and then, like I said, most of those guys have never had a wrestling job before. So they, they were constantly pulling me and Spanky aside and saying, listen, can you guys be like kind of leaders for these guys? Because we need them to learn the way really quickly. Cause they put all of us on TV fast. Like nobody went to developmental. So they're like, we need these guys to be ready. And it's not so much about their wrestling. They're ready to wrestle, but like we need them to kind of have a good head on their shoulders or whatever. So a lot of, I think what they saw in me was mostly out of the ring. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's, that's definitely uh, a lot of trust that they instilled in you. They definitely seen something in you. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's humbling, I think, and in a way, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that they did. That's cool, man. Well, you had some very exciting moments in the WWE. Is there anything that stands out for you in your time there besides the cruiserweight classic? Um, almost breaking my neck in front of Vince was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> yeah, we were in, uh, I think it was one of the matches I had with Spanky, but like a, a regular match. It was like on Raw or something. And we took a tumble out of the ring and I landed on my head on the apron. It was, it was pretty scary. I mean, I thought, I thought I might be paralyzed when I was laying there for a little bit, but I got in the ring and it was fine. I think it was, ended up being a neck sprain, but whatever it was, I remember we came to the back, we were in Hartford. So I remember we're in the Connecticut building and we got to the back. It's <laughs> just like, don't ever fucking do that again. <laughs> I got like, a plan on it. And he's like, he's like, did you see the doc? And I said, no, he goes, please go see the doc. Take it easy. Fuck. <laughs> uh, I thought that was pretty fun. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of cool stuff that that was that was nice, you know. I, it was cool to uh, they they threw me on this special NXT main event last minute. Um, I never got to really wrestle in NXT because uh, I, I me and and a few of us like really got fast tracked straight to Raw, so like I I didn't really spend any time in the system, and so they kind of asked me to come back and do this match with Nakamura who was coming back from injury right before he got called up. And so we, we did a pretty cool match, um, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to wrestle Andrade a lot before he got called up too, and some other, a few others like kind of special attraction matches for like these NXT live events. And, you know, a lot of it was that just kind of getting in with guys that were like cool and guys that I'm friends with and, um, you know, the Lucha house party feud, like towards the end of my run was like one of my favorite things. Cause those guys are my best friends in the company. Um, so we were having a lot of fun doing that. That's good, man. Was there anyone that stands out, um, that you uh, really enjoyed working with? Uh, I mean, my best friend for sure was Lince. And, and so I loved being in the ring with him because he, it, it, <laughs> it was like, uh, it was so funny. I remember, so uh, Malenko was still a, a producer there at the time, and he, sometimes he would have our matches, and he's like, he would tell us like when he would wrestle like Eddie or Jericho or something back in the day that like they the it was all like they would just kind of goof off the whole time, and they had a lot of fun wrestling each other. And if if uh, if it was kind of a nothing match, they would fight over who has to go over, not who gets to go over, who has to go over. And so they would insist the other one wins and stuff. And he was he would joke with us because me and Lindsay and like Metallic Kalisa, we we're the same way. Um, we were always goofing around. And we did this like 
this like tornado tag match one night where we had all kinds of weapons and things, but we built weapons out of their pinatas. And I remember they wanted to do this like thumbtacks type of thing, but they just dumped out a bunch of mini pinatas and then superplexed <laughs> me on it. Yeah. And uh, when we were laying there, I remember we're laying there and Lindsay grabbed one in his hand. They're, they're small, you know, like the size of a candy bar. He grabbed one and stuffed it in my mouth when I was laying there. And it, we just, I mean, it was nonstop fun with, with those guys. Cause we're all friends. And so, you know, we trust each other, obviously. Um, we're rougher with each other, obviously. Um, but it's, it's a lot more fun. That's cool, man. Well, I was pretty upset to see your departure from the WWE. I thought they had a great, uh, thing going for the cruiserweights at what point did you learn that there had been a change in plans um like for me or for the cruiserweights for for you um i i don't know i mean these things happen so subtle and it was it was weird because i think a lot of people on the outside looking in they think that it's like a big gear change like when i lost the title for example so it's like cruiserweight classic a couple months later i'm no longer the champion um, but in their eyes, they, t- they would express to me like, we still see you in this spot. Um, you know, we're just moving the title around, which is something I kind of asked them to do too. I remember meeting with Hunter before when I was still the champion and I told him, I said, I-, I know that the idea is a lot of times you build around one guy, but like all these guys have to get over and it probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to move the title to Spanky, move it to Rich, move it to Cedric, move it to all these different guys. Um, because otherwise everybody's just losing to one or two guys and that's not going to help anybody. Um, right. And, uh, whether that's why they did it or not, I don't know. They probably had in mind, they're going to do that anyway. Um, but you know, they, I felt like it was, everything was still on the same track because I spent a year still kind of in the, top of that card with like Aries and Neville and, and all those guys. But it was probably maybe the start of 2018. That's when I started meeting with Vince uh, a lot more. I met with him all the time that I was there anyway, but I was more specifically meeting with him and knocking on his door in 2018, just because I knew that I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm just like another guy for you right now. I'm just another guy in tights. I came in totally different. You know, I represented Asian Americans and I had a different aura and uh, package about me. And now I'm just another good, just a, just a good wrestler on your roster. But your roster is full of good wrestlers. Everybody you have is a good wrestler, even if you don't realize it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, definitely. And so I said, like, I, I sometimes I feel like I'm just stealing your money and wasting your time. So you know, I told him, I think I knocked on his door in London around like February in 2018. I remember we were in the O2, I think when I knocked on his door and, uh, and I just told him that that's how I feel. And that I, you know, I, I don't believe in quitting. So if we can, uh, if there's something I could do better or do different for you, let's do it. If I can move to a different show, let's do it. Um, you know, I'll go back to NXT. If you feel like I'd be a benefit there, I'll go to UK. I'll do NXT UK. I don't care. Whatever you think it would be good but I think we need to shake things up because I'm a wasted investment for you now. Um, and if, if that's not going to change, then, then, you know, I could, I could get out of here, you know, I'll go back to Japan and stop wasting your time. And, uh, so, you know, most of that year we spent trying to figure out something new for me. And he said, you know, how could he asked me how, how can we use you better? 
And I told him I'd show him. I spent most of that year building like my own appearances and red carpets and different things for the Filipino community specifically, um, gathering influencer groups that do like, you know, Filipino heritage nights at NBA games and NFL games. Like when you see like, like Golden State Warriors, for example, they'll do like a Filipino heritage night and it'll be like the Warriors logo with like the Filipino sun on it. And the first however many fans through the door get that shirt. There's like Filipino food trucks and stuff like that, local businesses and charities outside, like for tailgaters and just like a big, like kind of operation that incorporates some charity, boosts the company and usually centers around one or two superstars or something like that. So I put all this stuff together. Um, I trained with Pacquiao. I did some cool stuff like just kind of interworking the different uh, uh, entertainment communities within like um, Asian Americans and Filipinos specifically. Oh, cool, man. And uh, I brought it back to him and I said, this is what I would like to do. This is what I'd like to be. This is how I came in the door for you. Um, I don't, I don't know how much of the Cruiserweight Classic he watched. I said, this is really, <laughs> this is what my appeal was coming in. And I feel like your creative team up here and you didn't know me coming through the door. And I'm a good wrestler. I'm a great wrestler, but that's not, that can only take you so far. So, you know, it was no surprise to me that the further away I got from my representation and was only coasting on just my ability to wrestle alone. It was like not surprising to me that, that after a while there was nothing to do. So I told him, that's what I'd like to get back to. And he said, great, this is great. I would love to use it. We got to find some creative for you. Let's get you on a different show. I think at first he was thinking we'll go to raw and we just pitched creative back and forth and nothing really stuck for him. And he's got a full cupboard and guys that are already established. They need the time. And, are bigger stars than I am. And you know, I can never fault him for that, you know? Um, so, you know, he just didn't really know what to do with me. And at a certain point he just said, well, you know, I don't want to bench you again and have you be here and unhappy. So go out and spread your wings. And that was it. Wow. So you get your release from the WWE, uh, you tour around <laughs> and absolutely kill it on the independent scene. And now you find yourself in impact wrestling. With lots of choices out there nowadays, uh, what what an impact stood out for you? Uh, well, initially, they knew exactly what they wanted to do. So in talking to other companies and stuff like that, it was kind of like some were like, wait and see. Some were, we'll get back to you soon. Some were, um, we'd like to have you. We just, we don't know exactly what, but let's let's talk about availability but impact was like, this is exactly, here's, here's what we'd like to do. And here's how much freedom we would like to give you, which was like an infinite amount. So uh, that was great. Cause like, um, you know, I would ask them like, okay, when I was in WWE, I remember asking like, okay, even if you guys don't want to use this stuff that I'm bringing to you, I could still do it. I could take these sponsorships and these like things through the Filipino community and like incorporate these charities or whatever the case is. Is that cool with you guys? And they would tell me no, because they'd say, well, we have these brands or these things and these things that we're incorporated with. Right. And we like you, we, we need you to stay associated with that. And I'd say, okay, well then, then put me in the pizza commercial or whatever. Then. <laughs> and, and then, but then they would have their short list of like five people that they would put into that stuff. So I'm like, so you're telling me I can't do it, but I can't do anything else either. So, you know, in Impact's case, it was like, well, 
you can do anything you want. You can wear whatever you want. You can do whatever third-party stuff you want. We're not here to limit that. And I said, that's great. So it was that, plus the roster's great. And on a personal level, I really wanted to come and work with Fala because I just, you know, we obviously share a culture connection, but um, I also wanted to kind of get out of being in, like, the cruiserweight, junior heavyweight, like, that that sort of glass ceiling, which would have happened anyway because I'm sure I know that Impact expressed wanting to have me do, like, bigger stuff, but I specifically wanted to come in and do some tag work and work with Fala and, and sort of um, kind of help him along too a little bit, but also have him help me. So just, there were so many boxes checked off for them that I said, this is, and I've been there before. So I said, this is, this is great. You know, I love this place and I'm happy to come back. Definitely, man. That creative <laughs> freedom is, is really, uh, what a lot of professional wrestlers long for nowadays. And especially with all the things going on with WWE and the whole third party thing. Um, yeah, I, it's pretty good choice. <laughs> yeah. And the money, the money's good and they have no, they have no problem with any, um, sister companies, for example, like working with me. So like new Japan, no issue, you know, um, stuff like that. Go back to Mexico. No issue. Like, um, a lot of other companies have certain, affiliation lines drawn and if they're not drawn that they're sort of drawn you know and it's right. like with impact i don't have to tiptoe around anything and i love that so yeah that's good man well you're able to do this podcast too so that's a you know it's a win <laughs> for me <laughs> yes very much <laughs> i remember trying to get a, a hold of, of a few people that were signed with impact and um they were like well we want to do it but we have this contract that you know we have to go through creative. Right. Not that they, not that they, not that they couldn't do the podcast. It's just we have to go through other parties as well yeah, to, to make it happen. To it. Yeah, yeah, yes, um, yeah, for, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, you know, I guess for the other guys, uh, maybe this is a lesson. Be, make yourself the exception because I, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I guess I'm the, I'm a exception, maybe not the exception, but, um, but you know, they, they, they offered me this, this freedom and, and it, it's so, it's so comfortable working with them and, and familiar and I, I couldn't be happier. Well, I think you made a good choice, man. And I, I would definitely want the creative freedom to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, so <laughs> any, anything you're looking forward to accomplishing in impact? Um, I mean, nothing specifically. I, I didn't, I've never really been in this for like, like specific accolades or anything like that. I mean, as far as like creative stuff, yeah, I, right. I've never been in wrestling and thought I got to be the world title, world champion someday, or I got to be like the intercontinental champion or something like that, or the cruiserweight champion. And I've had plenty of that already. God bless me with more than I could possibly ever ask for. So I don't really ever have goals like that. Um, I, and I'm having fun. I think I just want to keep having fun. Um, at some point I want to lay down some roots for that, I guess <laughs> I am yeah, definitely. no longer, you know, in my early twenties or anything, but I think that this is a place that I would like to do it. Um, you know, especially now, like I'm, I'm in the, what would be the prime years of my career. Wrestlers are late bloomers, you know, and, and being in the mid thirties, that's usually guys best years. And so I don't want to waste them. They're finally a, upon me. And, uh, you know, I think that this is a good place to do it because between here and New Japan um, and both of them 
offering me the flexibility and freedom to do a lot of other stuff that I couldn't ask for a better, uh, perfect storm of, of, you know, sit of a scenario for me to spend probably the, be- the, the best and last good years of, of my career. So. No, 100%. You said you were, uh, how old are you? You're 34? 36 now. I just 36? turned 36 like a week ago, yeah. All right. Well, you still got years of professional wrestling, man. Don't be going and quitting on me yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm 33, so don't make me feel too old. <laughs> no, hopefully 10, hopefully 10 more, I think. Yeah, my legs for many, but I'm a late bloomer. I mean, I look, I look like I'm still in my early 20s, I guess. So, I mean, that works in my favor. Um, That's crazy, man. And you started at the age of 13. Yeah, it's like year 21 or 22 now. My goodness. That's just absolutely insane to me, man. I couldn't imagine like seeing a 13-year-old in the ring. And if well, I was the promoter, me, I'd be like, don't you made, hurt this made, kid. They made me wear a mask. So, And back then, they didn't care, man. It was the Wild West, especially right, with Mexican right. wrestling, man. They're, they're, they're tough. They're hard. Oh yeah, they're they're yeah. hard on on their you know if you're if you they'll start you when you're like eight years old if you can walk and you can do <laughs> what they're asking they'll they'll put you in the ring you know, it's just like with um like boxing you know like boxing like culture like if you can put on the gloves they'll let you get in there and swat and they're not gonna that's insane <laughs> you know you'll take your lumps and that's why you see some of these kids that come from boxing families they're just they they're just they're cut from a different cloth and, and wrestling is the same way. So that's just, I mean, that's the way they treated me. So. Wow, man. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, as we wind down, um, I asked this question a lot and I know it's probably one of the hardest ones to answer professional wrestler, but, uh, what are some of your favorite matches that you've had? Uh, for me specifically, probably my favorite match I've ever had was in CMLL when I was 18, I think, um, we, I finished my run there with, I was there with Rocky Romero and another guy's name is Bobby Quantz. He's since moved on from wrestling. He's in the Navy now. Um, he went on to become a seal. He's a brilliant guy. Um, but we, we went down there as a team. We spent like, a, we spent 2003 there and, uh, the, our, the last match we had in our feud was at the CMLL anniversary show, the 70th anniversary. And, um, and it kind of changed a lot of the culture for, I think, some of Mexican wrestling at the time because they were still very traditional, especially CMLL is a very traditional company. And we were doing a lot of high-paced, high-tempo type stuff, this type of stuff that you see like on like AEW, for example, now, like guys right. like the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers, stuff like that. Um, but that wasn't commonplace at the time. It wasn't even really commonplace on the indies in America at the time either. It was still 2002, 2003. And a lo- we took a lot of flack for that. Um, we, we, we got ridiculed mercilessly by our elders at the time. But it kind of went on to change like the way the guys kind of build their art. You know, now you have guys like Osprey and Ricochet and different guys that do this like incredible stuff. I, stuff that I, could never have dreamed of doing but um the pacing and tempo of it guys didn't use to work like that and um so i'm really proud of that year and that match specifically because it was a special moment and it was in arena mexico the cathedral as they call it they threw money in the ring uh which is really rare especially at the time and especially for a non um mexican wrestler like for for an american um so that's one of my favorites um uh, I mean, there's been a bunch over the years. Got to wrestle Ultimo Dragon once in Tokyo. That was pretty cool. Oh, he was one of my um, favorites when I was when I was young. 
Yeah, doing the Jake or I'm sorry, doing the Cruiserweight Classic was obviously big, um, and then doing the J Cup this past year was was really like the thing for me because that that's really what my WrestleMania moment always was for my life. Like I right. always wanted to be in the J Cup, and I thought that's something I'll never do because there's only been a handful of them. You never know when they'll pop up, and it's so rare, especially for a North American too, to get into it. Like uh, there's like such a short list of guys that have ever done it. And uh, just so happened that they're going to do one the year that I that I left WWE and the, the stars aligned and I got to do it. And the final night, um, I had already been eliminated from the tournament, but we did a, an eight man tag. And the final night was in Los Angeles, in my hometown. And uh, we had a great crowd. And I had Jushin Liger on my team, Amazing Red, uh, Taguchi. Like I had a great team. The opponents were great too. Rocky Romero was just like my oldest like brother in wrestling basically. And for us to kind of be on our first J cup and to like wrap up the tournament in our hometown, me and Rocky and like to, and I won, which is cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's always a plus. Yeah. That was a really special night. And like to be, to be teaming with Liger and he's on his retirement tour. It's like, um, you know, the last times that people are going to see him was that summer and, and that fall. So it was really, really cool to to have all that. That's cool, man. So who are some wrestlers that you haven't uh, had the opportunity of working with that you would like to? Um, so I get asked about like dream matches sometimes, and I don't really believe yeah. in those necessarily. I've never really had a bucket list like this guy, this guy, this guy. Um, I would love to work with anybody, but I'm not like – I don't really get starstruck or look at people like that. Right. Um, but I've also had the – I've been blessed to be, to work with a lot of awesome dudes. That I, I I could never have like <laughs> dreamed of asking for. Like I've got to wrestle Jeff Hardy, Rey Mysterio, all kinds of guys that like it was such an honor to be in there with them. Jushin Liger, for example, you know another one. But um, one guy from my generation I've never been in the ring with, and for and we've shared so many locker rooms, but we've never been in the ring ever because we're always in different places on the card. Was AJ? Me and AJ have never touched in the ring ever. Oh, and that's like okay. the one guy, like everybody else, like Joe, I started with Joe. We came from the same place, you know, CM Punk, uh, Danielson, obviously like we were training partners. We were, we spent so many years like together. Um, everybody low key, everybody from that generation, I've been in the ring with all of them at one point. AJ is the only one I haven't shared the ring with. So, you know, we're running out of time, but, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, ho- hopefully someday we'll find uh, we'll find a way to do it. Well, man, if you ever uh, decide to go back to WWE, I'm sure that'll happen from what I hear is AJ's sticking it out there until he's done. Yeah. So, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. And, and I don't know. I mean, you never know. And we, I, I've not lost contact with the company. I just didn't feel like I'd be my best to be there at the moment, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe in the future. There you go, man. Well, where can people find you on social media, TJ? Uh, well, I don't have a whole lot of it. I pretty much just got the, uh, the two main ones, Twitter and Instagram. Both are at mega TJP. Um, and I have a Twitch channel up at twitch.tv also at mega TJP. Um, so if you, you know, for those that are in the gaming or streaming or whatever like that, you catch my streams, you can follow sub at, um, at mega TJP. And, and that's, that's really it. Um, otherwise I'm more or less invisible socially. I don't really have 
fancy YouTube shows or TikToks <laughs> or nothing like that, you know. <laughs> well, where can people uh, support your merchandise? Do you got any merch on Pro Wrestling Tees or? Uh, yeah, I do have uh, a shop up on Pro Wrestling Tees. I had a shop up on a dedicated website, but uh, obviously, like with the state of this year, like I've kind of consolidated everything through Pro Wrestling Tees just to make it easier to find and easier to produce and, and get. So you can find all my Detonation Kick merch and just all my regular stuff at Pro Wrestling Tees. It's under TJP, um, simple enough, I guess. Uh, it, but, you know, there's thousands of great wrestlers on Pro Wrestling Tees with way better designs than me. So I suggest <laughs> I suggest flipping through some of their pages first because there's some cool, cool stuff on there. But if you want to find mine, that's where you can find it. <laughs> there you go, man. Well, hey, I, I just want to say I appreciate you taking the time out of your day with, to be here on the show with us, man. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. All right, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Carter Inc., C-A-R-D-E-R-I-N-C, or you can follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at The Pro Wrestling Shoot. I'm Jesse Carter, and we are out of time. Hey, thank you so much, TJ. Thank you very much. All right, see you guys next week.